Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 207 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today we'll be discussing Elir Latifi's suspension, Brad Riddell's decision to step away from MMA, PFL's insane pay-per-view price, and we'll be looking at the best fights from UFC Vegas 65 and Bellator 299. And I will say this, Bellator 299 is the far superior card. Anyways, Victor, I got to get your take on something because one championship is all over the MMA media news waves today because apparently their crazy ass hydration rules has caused, are you ready for this, 10 failures on a single card today. Yeah, and uh, we should note that they are they are both weight misses and hydration failures. I uh, I saw that I went through the thread that detailed each of the uh, successes and mishaps. And um, wow, what is going on? What is I I, I don't is is the problem? Are, are these things not laid out properly as far as the guidelines are concerned? Does the fault lie with the fighters, or is it the way that they're doing the test? I don't get it, but. If this is what they consider to be the quote-unquote solution to weight cutting that a lot of people have been banding about, I yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, look, you don't want guys being too dehydrated, but I, I don't, I don't know. I, it just all of this seems so incredibly incongruent. Like this is just a bunch of pieces that ain't fitting right, and I'm not quite sure where exactly ultimately um, the blame really should lie. And and in order to you know, we, we kind of need to know in order to find ways to address this. I don't think it's on one single party, but I do find it kind of weird. That it's like a whole bunch of fighters like, come on, man, this many people, there's something, something doesn't quite add up to me. And I really would love to know more. I mean, it's like they're willfully shooting themselves in the foot with the stupid hydration thing. Um, mm. There's, there's no real fix for the weight cutting because they're always going to be guys and gals that are going to fight down so that they can have that beefed up advantage. They could be the bigger person in there. But until somebody in a major promotion dies from a weight cutting incident, we're going to have these really, really awful looking people on the scale. We're going to have our Nate Manises looking like the machinist. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know what to what kind of solution is available out there, but this ain't it. All right, so we are going to jump into our first news story, and boy, is it a doozy. PFL, they are charging $49.99 for their inaugural pay-per-view, and let me tell you, that'll be their one-and-done pay-per-view, just like Bellator did theirs uh, a few years back. uh, Well, it wasn't a few years. It was eight years ago. But in 2014, they had a single pay-per-view event. And Rampage Jackson and King Mola Wall were the main event. And they did a paltry 100,000 buys. Now, that is the number two promotion. I don't even know that you can call PFL number three or four or even five. I just know that they're there. And... They are charging $50. Now, here's where it gets good. The main event is going to be Kayla Harrison fighting Larissa Pacheco for a third time. Now, you might be asking yourself, but but Steph, did, did Larissa win one of those fights? Is is this a some kind of a, a real rivalry, something that we could sink our team? No. The answer is no. She beat the brakes off Larissa Pacheco both times. This is this is a squash match. And then the co-main event. Let me tell you about the co-main event, Victor, because it's even better. Marlon Moraes has gone over to PFL, and that's great for him. He was supposed to fight Shane Burgos, and that would have been awesome. It, that would have been a good fight. But instead, Burgos had to pull out because of an injury, and they have put shame on Moraes in there. So you've got Moraes versus Moraes. But the beauty <laughs> part of this is that 
Shaman Morais is coming off of a loss. And Marlon Morais is coming off of, are you ready for this? Four freaking losses. That is your, that is the bulk of your card. That is your name value. Because let me tell you the, well, you do have Stevie Ray versus Olivier Aubin Mercier. And that's okay. I would have actually stuck that a little higher up on the card, but that's okay. You do have Aspen Ladd taking on Julia Budd. And you do have, let's see here, anybody? Brendan Lochnan taking on Bubba Jenkins. That's Ooh, a, that's fire, though. That's yeah. a good fucking fight. That's a good fight. But yeah. how many people, how many casuals out there go, oh, my God, I'm going to turn in, tune into PFL because Brendan Lochnan is fighting Bubba Jenkins. Nobody. And $49.99, so, you know, uh, our old buddy uh, Shaquille Majuri that used to work with us here at Bloody Elbow, he put out a thread yesterday, asked, how much would you really pay for this? Do you think this is a fair price? <laughs> put a price tag. And I was very honest when I said, look, you've got a fight night quality card here. No problem with it being on ESPN. But I would not pay a penny more than $10 for this card. And I'm being generous there. And that is me trying to support them i would be willing to cough up money for this but not fifty dollars i'd cough up 10 bucks i'd cough up a few dollars more than what i pay for my espn subscription for this card and it would only be a charity thing i would literally be reaching into my wallet as a charity offering to help them get off the ground a little bit with their very first pay-per-view but i will not pay fifty dollars for it i will check it out um the uh, the clips, I will read the play-by-play, -play, but I will not watch this thing. I will not pay $50 for it. Would you, Victor? Hell no. You know the answer to that. Listen, <laughs> no. No, no, no. Look, I, 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 I like the PFL product. I like what they have established and what they've built. If you look at this card, you know, you do have the headliner. Of course, the main attraction is going to be Kayla Harrison. She is essentially the face of the organization. I don't have a problem with her being in that spot. I don't even have a problem with the Pacheco fight, despite how the previous fights had gone, because this is what you get when you have a tournament. What I do object to is having a paywall in the first place for a product such as this one, because it's not a bad product, but you have not created the kind of buzz or anticipation. If Bellator couldn't do that, and for their events, for their pay-per-views, they brought out a lot of their big guns – Forget it. There's just no way that that's going to be. You remember the, the proposed Tito versus Rampage event that ended up being uh, Rampage versus Beltran. And um, I mean, I remember that thread vividly because the entire bloody elbow comment section was just pictures of Jade Bryce and jokes about how bad the pay-per-view was. It was a fun time had by all, but nobody was paying for that. And I suspect that in this situation, we're going to have more of the same. You know, you're going to have I don't think there's really going to be anything else on that would compete with it in, in any significant manner, but you're still going to have a big load of what? I mean, who's going to be doing that? It's, it's, I don't know what their viewership numbers look like on ESPN, both in uh, broadcast or streaming. I suspect that they must be quite strong. They, they've gotten quite a backing. They've got some great investing, um, not investors, great partners in terms of sponsors. Uh, they seem to have a rock solid distribution arrangement with a couple of entities and that's fine. Good for them. I applaud that. But this ain't it, man. You ain't exactly – you haven't built the kind of thing that would have the sort of anticipation. There's not as much brand awareness. You are not as big in the market share perspectives to be in a position to ask not just for pay-per-view money but to ask full price for what a high-end pay-per-view is and a high-end pay-per-view this is not. It is a good event. It is, in fact, I would say a great event. Just standard TV, this is an extraordinary yes. thing. Yes. Extraordinary. You put this on basic, uh, not even, not even cable. You put this on regular ass TV. You put this on ABC. My goodness, you, you know, I don't know that the number is going to be great, but it would be an excellent look for the company. It would be a great fit for, you know, having, uh, I don't even think terrestrial is the right term for television, but you'd have standard television, MMA, having a great deal of buzz, having some support there, and you have ease of access for a potential audience. But this is even more restrictive, and I don't like the way that's going to go. I, this is this is probably the kind of thing that 
I don't even think the that the, the uh, UFC would want to do this kind of deal if they were trying to short people at the top with the pay-per-view points. But uh, I would imagine that maybe they're getting something similar to what the UFC is doing in terms of their um, deal with ESPN+. Plus. I, I, is, is this uh, still – from what I remember, this is still available through ESPN+, Plus, right? Much like the UFC's events, yes? Yes. Yeah, well, there you go. So there's there's the rub. So you still got the $5 buy-in, and then on top of that, the 50 bucks. What are we doing? That's exactly why I say if if you were to put a price tag on it, it has to be incredibly small. I won't say five bucks, but I will say ten because that's that I have actually watched some MMA events. Remember Shine Fights? Oh yeah, yeah. Shine yeah. Fights. They always put their events on. They only had like three or four of them, uh, but there or maybe even just two. God, I think maybe it was just one. I can't remember, but them, shark fights, they all yeah. had smallish pay-per-views, but they put a smallish price tag, $9.99. Mm. I remember when Abu Dhabi became really big with streaming back in like 2000. I, I want to say it was around 2007, 2008. And they, were, they had finally got their streaming in order and everything. But it was 19.95 to to watch the whole weekend of fights. But I was happy to pay it because you got three days of insane jujitsu matches. These days, though, they go through Flow Wrestling, and Flow yeah. Wrestling wants you to get a subscription to them. Which by the time it's all said and done at the end of the year, it's like a hundred bucks, hundred twenty bucks. But you can't pay it monthly. So if you wanted to watch Abu Dhabi this year, you had to go through Flow Wrestling. And you mm-hmm. had to you have to subscribe for the whole year to get the Abu Dhabi. You couldn't. You got to buy the whole cow. Exactly. So guess to get who, one glass. Guess who had to live Abu Dhabi through yeah. she reaps on Twitter because she's a big jujitsu head and she was showing clips and stuff like that on all on her timeline. You still have a quality product. You can't put a huge price tag on everything. No, and you know that the the thing like let me let me give you another blast from the past. Okay, since we're since we're delving that far back. Metamorris. Oh yeah. You remember, you remember that shit? Yeah. That was fun. But Metamorris, they had big MMA names, and even if you weren't a big jujitsu head, you still had some degree of interest. And if you were a big jujitsu head, you were definitely like, oh my god, I can't believe this. I want to see this happen. There were some very intriguing clashes. The venue was cool, and financials and controversy and problems aside, there were some really really fun events. They had a lot of great stuff going on. They'd have packages where like you know you buy this event. And the next one will be ten dollars off or something like that. You can't really do that here. You're, you're asking for a very, very big buy-in for what should be realistically a very good event. And again, you, you, it's, this is another problem here. If you just look at the card, you're looking at a couple of fights here that are. Let me see. Five of these fights are going to be on prelims, so they're not going to be part of the main card. Are they going to be free? Because then you're looking at uh, what a seven-fight main card. Um, I mean, that's that's not bad. But again, $50, I don't know that that's really the way they would have gone. Had they made this 25, had they made this 30, well, I could see that. I mean, you look at Fight TV, right? Fight TV puts on, they have basically their whole business is pay-per-views. They, they'll put on events that you can pay $5, 10 $15 or something, regional events, Guys that you'll never hear, you've never heard of before. You'll never hear of them again. Just if you if you want to see this local fight out of Idaho and you're in the region and you can't make it and you want to watch, well then there you go. That's what you do. You go to Fight TV and they'll partner with all these smaller orgs. This ain't it, dude. This ain't really. I don't know. I, it just it just seems to me like it's not only just too soon, it's too much, and it just doesn't really square with what the the the, the sort of appetite that the audience would need to have for something like this. You are right. Yeah, I hope that's that's the thing, right? I, I hate being right about stuff because <laughs> when I'm right, it's usually something horrible. And I kind of feel like that's what's going to happen here. Well, but, you are uh, the harbinger of horrible things. I'm afraid so. You should embrace yeah. it. I like it. I don't know about that, man. I, I kind of want a little bit more good news in my life. But um, we actually are going to move on to some pretty sad news, pretty bad news that we got earlier in the week where former UFC title challenger Anthony Rumble Johnson had passed away. Unfortunately, it was announced on Sunday that he had um, not made it out. He had been uh, sick for quite some time. He had been battling a disease, and it was found that he had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and hemophagocytic 
lymphohistiocytosis. I swear I promised these words. I practiced these earlier in the day, and I still flub them. That's okay. Uh, it is a rare immune disease. He unfortunately, uh, I don't know if it was a matter of treatment, but uh, mortality rates are, I guess, related to age, which makes it a little more surprising that somebody in his age range, who was not even 40 years of age, he was only 38, uh, had succumbed to the uh, dual conditions. And so uh, a lot of people didn't know about this. It caught a lot of people off guard because he maintained this uh, very privately. He did not address this publicly in any capacity. And there was an outpouring of support and um, grieving and uh, nice things being said by a lot of people within the MMA community. Now, personally, I don't want to be too harsh on this whole deal because, I mean, realistically, it doesn't doesn't really – do much at this point, but I'm going to basically have the same attitude towards this that I had when Kobe Bryant passed away. I didn't have too many nice things to say about the guy when he was alive, and I don't really have much to say about him now that he's gone. Was he exciting? Yes. Was he affable with press and media and sometimes the fans? Absolutely. He did have a very strong impact in the sport, and he was a fairly popular figure for pretty good reason. He unfortunately also did have some I mean, I don't even think regrettable behaviors are the worst uh, or they're the best way to put it. Um, I, I, I know abuser. that it's soon. Victor. I know that he just passed, but he was an abuser. We'll just, he was. We, we he was an abuser. And we can't gloss over that fact. Right. I mean, it's not a matter of trying to, you know, take our shots now that he's not around to respond. But these are the realities that we need to face. I mean, this this was not someone who you don't have to be a perfect person. But this guy really, truly had some very menacing qualities about him. And it is still unfortunate when someone dies this young and when someone has uh, these conditions and these situations and they're unable to get them treated in the manner that would perhaps save their life. So, um, hey, you know, we, 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 I guess we're fortunate to see him fight for his talent. But unfortunately, uh, I do regret that he was enabled by a lot of people in ways that were not beneficial to him and definitely much more hurtful to those around him. And I really wish that things had been different in that case. Indeed. Uh, I will say exactly what I said on Twitter. I'm very sorry for his friends and family that loved him. And that's yes. as far as his condition, uh, they were directly linked. I had Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is uh, the, 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 the types vary from person to person. But I had one in my chest, a, a small lump. It was uh, probably small grape size. A little bit smaller, but anyways, uh, I had surgery, chemo, radiation, very treatable. I did have a recurrence, but it was small. Two two years later, I had a small recurrence, uh, went through the chemo radiation again, and uh, haven't had one since. But he had non-Hodgkin's, and that typically hits people in their late 50s, early 60s is when it hits. So for him to have it happen so very young, oof, my goodness, I would love to see a study at some point in the future to see if anything from his career, especially all of those crazy weight cuts. There's a guy who moved up from welterweight to middleweight and still missed weight there. And then had to move up to light heavyweight and then eventually competed as a heavyweight too. As he should have. Yeah. So I just would love if somebody could do a study at some point. Um, it's unfortunate that such a young man died, but I won't waste any sleep over it because, you know, he wasn't a good, a, a decent person in my personal opinion. But I do uh, feel some sympathy for his, for his family and friends, and that'll be it. So our next story is an odd one. Okay, this one kind of took me off guard. Ilir Latifi was suspended for three months for his undisclosed staph infection. So we're finally getting some movement towards a solution for all these guys that are basically withholding information on injuries and infections and things like that. This one was a bad one though, because literally TV admitted that he had fought with a, a staph infection that he knew he had for at least two days before. And he didn't want to have to call off the fight again 
So he decided he was just going to go ahead and do it. Even this week, you see my leg is all swollen. I didn't even tell my coaches, but I got a staph infection a couple of days ago. And as you can see here, my leg is all swollen. It's an amazing sport, but the margins are so small. You put in so much work and this thing happens the last day. That is what he told Paul Felder after the fight. Now, Today, actually, when I woke up, my leg was swollen. I was like, I can't cancel again. So I had to fight like this with a fever and a staph infection. But that's part of being a fighter. Hey, dude, that's not part of being a fighter. Okay, you just put your your opponent at great risk of getting that same staph infection because you rubbed your sweaty, nasty body all over them with your staph infection. You're out there with a freaking fever with your legs swollen up twice the size it's supposed to be and you're all like oh i'm just gonna go ahead and go in there fuck my opponent i'll go ahead and give him my staff too so insect temporarily suspended latifi in the days right after the fight but wednesday the athletic commission meeting was the group's first chance to officially address latifi's decision to compete without disclosing a very infectious illness which mm-hmm. can be transmitted from person to person contact. Anyway, they went ahead and they suspended him pending a clean medical exam all the way through January 1st, 2023. And they hit him with the massive legal fees of $407.50. During the meeting, though, NSAC noted that the issue of Latifi not disclosing his staph infection on his pre-fight documentation was the precedent set, was the reason for the precedent setting action, because this did set a precedent. So Victor, what are you taking away from this? Because all I'm taking is that Latifi is incredibly selfish and this is a step in the right direction for the commission. I don't know that I see it that way exactly. I think that could be part of it, but at the same time I do have like a bit of empathy here because you know, look, you don't fight, you don't get paid. You know what I mean? I wonder if this is another one of those cases where like, you know, when fighters hide their injuries and they don't want to they don't want to disclose it. They don't want to like, no, no, no. It's cool. Look, I'll pull it off. Don't worry about it. What I'm what I'm really like what made me kind of giggle about this when I first heard about it. You imagine you're the guy who just fought Latifi. You're walking out of the cage. You're making your way through the back and and you hear him on the microphone admit that you that he just tussled with you for 15 long and arduous minutes with all that delicious rutabaga, uh, polka, pockmark, whatever, you know, all, all that, all that gorgeous, gorgeous ringworm all over your body. And you just start going like, <laughs> you know, like he's just like, get it off of me, get it off of me. You know, just patting himself with his hands. Like, I, what do you do in that situation other than dunk yourself in bleach? It's a shame because Latifi, I mean, he should have known better. And I guess he was just, as most of these fighters do, when they go through a grueling fight, they just want to uh, be like, yeah, man, you know, I had it hard. I just went through this. But you're celebrating the fact that you just overcame a great deal of adversity. And then you went out there and you actually came out on top. Um, I don't, I don't think he was doing it to brag. I don't care. Because no, what he did I, was no, stupid, <laughs> and it was selfish and incredibly harebrained, and I have no no sympathy for him whatsoever. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of mad at him because I really like Latifi. He is the human centaur. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't. Th- I'm not saying that that what he did was a great thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm thinking that his motivation maybe lied with that, as it is with a lot of the things that these guys do. You know, they. They do a lot of shit that doesn't make sense, but it's because they have to get paid. They're not. How often is this guy fighting? He's doing what twice a year, maybe. Yeah. You know, so like, yeah, I think it's got more to do with that. If these guys were getting paid adequately, he would not have probably taken that fight under those circumstances. I don't think. So I, I really don't feel that that had. I, I don't know how much of this to really put on him. Like, yeah, certainly all of it. He didn't. Oh my god. You know, you you know can... what I mean? Okay. Look, I, yes, yes, it was. Look again. I want to put make sure this is on record. He was wrong for going through with the fight in his condition. I agree. Don't get me wrong, but you don't get a tinge of sympathy thinking like shit, man. I mean, nope. you know, this none, none whatsoever. None, none. Because all I can think about, and you gotta for for our listeners out there, you gotta understand I'm a lot older than Victor. 
I, I know he likes to to sit there and say I'm almost as old as you, but he is not almost as old as me. No, I'm there no. is ten years difference between the two of us, maybe more. I can't remember how old he is, but I'm an old lady and he's not. I'm also a retired nurse, so I look at everything through a lens of an old cranky woman that was a nurse that looks at something like this and says, what an idiot, what a selfish asshole, because he knows what staff is. He knew to hide it, but he didn't know enough to not infect his opponent <laughs> with it, possibly. Yeah, it's it's the way he put it out there. It yeah, also made and, it even and while worse. It was kind of funny. I will give you that. And I understand what motivation was there but that motivation in my opinion is no excuse and so i look at this think of me as your mean ass old granny that every time you come to her house she's telling you to don't sit on the furniture and take your shoes off and don't run around and don't be loud and don't turn up the tv and don't do that that is me i have no wow. sympathy for anyone well, I mean, as someone who was a young, broke man in his day, I also, you know, like, I know what that is, where you're like, shit, I, I, I got to get this paycheck, man. I got to yeah. make it happen. So I, I get, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. I'm, I'm just trying to think if, you know, maybe this might be what his, his initial drive for this whole thing was. Again, it's not a great thing. It's not, you know, I don't think it was the correct thing in this situation, but I kind of get it. I don't know. I just, uh, I, if anything, this is something that he probably should have disclosed, you know, I don't know, if he felt that strongly about it. Maybe wait a couple of years. You know, don't say that right after the fight. Don't do it in the cage. You know, say it in, as an offhand comment in an interview later, but emotions get the best of these guys. and They'll do, you know, really dumb shit like this. It's, you have to think of us kind of like the Golden Girls. I am cranky ass Sophia. Victor is wild and carefree Blanche. Oh come so on now, hold on a second. Is... I'm not. I'm not getting the kind of action Blanche is getting. Let's let's be real. Here. <laughs> but that is our dynamic here. So where Victor is the voice of sympathy and empathy and caring, I am the voice of fuck that guy. Oh wow, damn. <laughs> that is me. All right, so Victor, you've got this story here. And you said you you started off with remember I said you are the harbinger of doom and and dismay. Well, this one is an opportunity for you to get back in the good column because somebody's stepping away from MMA for the right reason. Yeah, I mean, yeah, true. Okay, I think by now you probably figured it out or heard about it. But uh, UFC talent Brad Riddell has uh, unfortunately, after his uh, loss to uh, Marcano this past weekend, has decided that he is going to be taking a break uh, due to back-to-back -back losses in the manner in which they came. Now, I say unfortunately because – you know what, man? You feel bad seeing a guy that good and that talented have to hit these rough strides, but that is what happens in the fight game. And uh, you know, for the for for all the things that happen, uh, I think that his the place where he's coming from with this is actually not that bad. And I'm going to just post here what he, uh, or rather read here what he posted on Instagram regarding that. It said, I appreciate everyone that has been supporting me and standing by my side from day one through these last two of uh, these last two lackluster performances. I'm going to step away from competing in MMA for a good while until the fire to compete comes back. I'm not performing close to my capability and it's a dangerous job if you're not fully present. I've been training hard for 15 years in and out of camps with not enough rest or balance and it's massively taken its physical and mental toll on me. There has not been a year since I was 17 that I've not fought. I know this is the right choice because as I write this, I feel a sense of relief for finally voicing what I've been feeling for a while. I wanted to have one last crack at MSG to see if the feelings from the last camp were just one off, but sadly they were not. It's a hard pill to swallow, as this is what I've done my entire life, and fighting was my first love, but sometimes you just have to face it. There are a few overdue surgeries to be addressed as well. I'll keep training and teaching, but my energy that was all consumed by the sport will be directed at my family. The H will come back, but a long time off is needed. I appreciate everyone always supporting me. Quake. Listen, that's good. I selfishly do feel a little bad. That he's not going to be able to have another fight for the immediate foreseeable future, but that is okay. If this guy decides that for his own well-being, for his own health, and for that of his mind and his family and his overall life and work balance, that this is what he needs to do, sure. And I think he addressed a couple of things that we don't really often um, – we don't address enough. 
when it comes to MMA careers. Not having the sufficient amount of time between one fight and the next to grow and to evolve and to sharpen your skills and to get better and to you know just sort of find uh, different avenues to expand within the fight game. Didn't seem like that was a thing that he had, and I get that. I feel, you know, I, I feel really bad that this has been his experience, and for someone who's been doing this for so long. I mean, he started at seventeen. Good God, he was a baby, you know. I mean, this is this is a this is this is a very very long time, and, and and for someone who started at such an early age, for someone to be doing what he's been doing, not just with MMA but with kickboxing and everything that he's done since, it's like. Yeah, I can see why he wants to take that break. I can see where somebody finally finds a breaking point, and he should take that break. If this is what is best for him, and he indeed finally found the vocabulary, the manner in which to verbalize this, and only after that he finds a sense of relief, then he clearly did make the right decision, and he is correct. And I'm glad that he's doing this. He is uh, a, a very strong and very good talent, a very important uh, link in that team that he's with. Um, you hear his teammates sing his praises and discuss how much he's made them better, how much of a uh, how much of a workhorse the guy has been, and I, really, it's hard to find fault with this. He phrased everything perfectly, and he's doing everything for precisely the correct reasons for anyone to be able to take some time away. It was not a retirement. It was not a farewell. It was a hey, you know what? We need to hit pause on this right now. I need to prioritize some other things. But guess what? I'm going to be back, and I'm going to make some real damage happen. And I don't really find any fault with that whatsoever. I say good for him. Take care of your health. Take care of your family. Do what you got to do. Rest up a bit. And if we do see you down the line, man, I want to see you do even better than when you left. So this is really for the best. And I'm actually rather happy for him, despite my uh, initial misgivings, thinking that he was going to be gone for good. Yeah, that's what I like most about this post is that he did not say he was retiring. He said... Uh, inevitably, I'll get the itch again, but I need a long time off. And that's the way you do this. So many guys say stuff in the heat of the moment, say, I'm going to retire. They leave their gloves or whatever, like Marlon Moore, I used it. And then they turn around three months later because they have the itch and they can't stay away or they need the money or whatever. And they jump right back in. This is the smart way to approach it, to realize that maybe you're not done, maybe you are, but you need some time to figure it out. I like that he's addressing all of his body issues, and you are correct in your statement that we don't often hear things like this. We don't hear that he wasn't resting properly, that he hasn't gotten a good night's sleep in all of these years since he's been training because he's constantly at it. This is a grind. I've always referred to the UFC and MMA in general as a meat grinder. It's it's a cruel mistress. It, it chews you up. It spits you out. Leaves you in the dirt. That's the breaks. That's the long and the short of it. So for someone to have a pretty good bird's eye view of their career and make proper, correct choices according to their health, I think that's amazing. And I think this is a very uplifting story. I wish others would look at Brad Riddell and do the same thing. I, I always hearken back to Tom Dukenois, young guy, did very, very well in the UFC, retired mm -hmm. at 24. And he stayed retired. He retired four years ago and he is still retired. He mm -hmm. didn't, you know, all he's doing from what I understand is he coaches as well. So I think that guys that come to these realizations and ladies as well, I think they're incredibly smart and they're paying attention to their bodies. And these are the ones that the rest of them should look to. So I like yeah. the story a whole I, lot. I, yeah. And you know, it's, it's, you brought that up. We brought up Nick Denny uh, mm -hmm. for uh, a couple of occasions that, that, that this sort of uh, topic has popped up. He prioritizes health. He's like, he, he started studying the human brain and went, holy shit, I'm doing what? <laughs> he decided to dip out. And that's another situation where a guy decided to just leave, you know, on again, anytime somebody gets out on their own for their own good. And to find their happiness, you, you got to wish them the best. So this is, again, it's not a farewell. It's a, you know, see you guys down the road. But even if it does turn out to be a farewell, even if he never comes back, you know what, man? Good for him. Exactly. And, you know, that's his decision, his choice to make. And sure, we'll be less rich 
if he retires, because he always puts on good fights, win or lose. I like watching Brad Riddell fight. Them skinny kickboxing boys are great. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, we are going to move on because we've got some fights to pick. But first, we are going to back up the truck a little bit. We're going to look at the weekly picks recap. And there's no surprise, we all picked the same way. So, we all went three and two. Standings right now. Mookie still in the lead. 127, 76 and 3. I am five behind him. 122, 81 and 3. And Victor, you are 11 behind me. 111, 92 and 3. And we have two cards this weekend. And I mentioned earlier, UFC Vegas 65 is objectively bad. But Bellator is not. Bellator's got some good fights on it. But in the interest of time, we're going to pick two from Bellator three from UFC. So to start off our Bellator picks, we're going to go with the co- uh, yeah, the co-main event. It's Patricky Pitbull versus Usman Nurmagomedov. Yes. Uh, they, the uh, Kamaru and Khabib have done the fusion dance and their progeny is now, no, uh, I, I, I'm going to go with Pitbull because I can't pick against them. Even when I have, and I'm like, mm, I don't know, this guy looks like he hardly my guy. Am I really going to do that here? No. Do I have any objective analysis to provide? No. Do I care? No. I think this fight's going to be fun as hell, but any younger guy coming up in the ranks, I just, I don't trust anybody to beat this version of people that we're seeing right now. I just don't. I, hmm. I'm going to go the other way. I normally always default to the Pitbull brothers. I love them. And I will say this, I will go on record. I hope Patricky wins. I want him to win. I don't think he will. Usman Nurmagomedov is a bad mofo. There's a reason he's 15-0. and 0. He is insanely strong, good wrestling, of course, great hands, and some very good grappling here. I'm seeing arm bars. I'm seeing rear naked chokes, tons of knockouts, knees, you name it. A front choke. His last fight he won with a front choke. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go with um, Usman Nurmagomedov. Can't, I can't stop myself from making that pick. And if this says anything at all, Mookie is also picking him. And he is a serious Pitbull Brothers bandwagoner. So for the two of us to actually go the other way, you know something's in the water. Mm. All right. So we get to the main event. Corey Anderson versus Vadim Nemkov. I gotta go Anderson. I can't. I I I mean that dude's wrestling is insane, and he's got that one hitter quitter in him too. It doesn't always show itself, but when it does, I mean you are down for the count. So yeah, I'm taking Corey Anderson, and Mookie is taking Corey Anderson as well. Victor, how you going? My thing here is that Corey Anderson, he can either drown you with combinations. Or he can sleep you with one shot. And where I am having some, um, I guess, some concern here is that I, I don't know that I, I don't think that Nemkov would be able to overcome that um, that reach difference. I don't know that he's going to be able to deal with the wrestling and the mix-ups and the pressure because you got to look at what happened in that Bader fight. You know, like I don't know, I, I'm seeing some stuff here that I'm not quite feeling. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I really I've given this a little bit of thought and it just seems like a very uh, what's what's the what's the proper word that I was used to describe this like it just. Yeah, he won against Bader, but this is a different kind of this is a very different kind of situation to me. I just don't think that uh, he's going to be able to deal with the size and the reach and then the way that Anderson has been able to piece things together. Nemkov might be a little faster but I don't think that he's going to have the same sort of um, the same sort of defense from the takedowns and everything. I, I don't, I don't quite see it. I want to pick Nemkov real badly. I don't even know why I kind of want to play the contrarian here, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go with Corey Anderson. All right. So now we're going to get to UFC Vegas 65. Oh, we have to Jesus. <laughs> so our three fights that we are picking Jack Della Maddalena versus Danny Roberts. This is probably oh, the best fight on the card. Good I am God. Looking at that, and I am thinking, holy moly. But I got to take Della Maddalena because of those bricks he swings. My goodness, this is going to be a banger. 
I am taking Madalena, and so is Mookie. I bet you're going to take him, too, because you've been on his bandwagon for a while as well, I think. I have. I was upset that he was on Contender Series. Mm-hmm. He was he was one of those like top four or five guys in that season that should not have been on the show. They should have signed up. But, you know, like, listen – it, I know it seems pointless, and even I find it pointless to to um, to complain about that sort of thing. But in a way, it's like, no, man, these guys are like legitimately too good for you to be putting them on there as disposable content on ESPN and running the risk of not having them signed. But he is an absolute bonus. He's a great addition to the division. Uh, hot chocolate, Danny Roberts. He's still got them hands, man. He can still do it. But this guy, he is he is his counter game is good. His body punches are great, as we saw in his last bout when he was able to put Ramazan Amiv, by all means, not a pushover. Um, if he was able to double that guy over and do that, I don't see how he doesn't do something similar to Danny Roberts. I don't think that uh, I don't think there's going to be any deficiencies in terms of his wrestling or his takedown defense or anything as far as his work off his back. Uh, obviously, his hands are his bread and butter, and I expect to see something good out of this. I think this is I, I expect a good showing out of both of them, but I just feel like Madalena's got too many weapons, so I'm going to go with Jack. All right. And we're going to move to the co-main event. We got the Moldovian or Moldovan Hulk and Iwan Kutalaba. He is taking on in Kennedy and Chukwu. And you know what? I I really love Iwan's fight style. He is go for broke, go big or go home. But Kennedy and Chukwu is not the guy you want to go like that with. You want to kind of measure yourself because that dude can hit like a truck. And I just think that Kennedy is a little bit more refined than Ewan. Ewan still fights like a wild animal sometimes. <laughs> so, and Kennedy doesn't. Kennedy actually looks like he's got some technique and so, some form to his game. He's also got pretty decent fight IQ. So that is something that Ewan Kutalaba lacks. I, I got to take Kennedy here. And I believe, hang on, let me look. I can't remember who Mookie is taking. Uh, Mookie is also taking Kennedy and Chukwu. Victor, how you going? I'm a little upset that we're skipping over the fight before this, which is, yes, on the main card, Chase Sherman. <laughs> Chase Sherman is up, and he's fighting Waldo Cortez Acosta, which, I mean, like, you know, I got to stick with my Dominican brethren, obviously. But uh, at the same time, like, wow, yeah, that's this is the third to... You know what? Well, as much as I keep saying the but card hierarchy, Jennifer Maya and Marina Moros are way down the card. And I mean, card hierarchy might be dead, but goddamn, dude, you got Muslim Salikov and Andre Fialo on this one, and and they don't get. You know what? God damn it! All right, so uh, Kutalaba versus Zachuku. Um, I, I Kennedy. I think he must have played basketball because his body mechanics are all over the place. He fights pretty ugly. But it works. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really he's works. got he doesn't just have strength. I mean, he does have some I suspect that the manner in which he distributes his weight. He looks like his frame is the kind of guy. I mean, and you, when you grapple with guys that are shaped like he is, it's a it's it's not easy to move that guy around. It sucks. I mean, it, the only thing worse than that are those guys that are shaped like a refrigerator. But I, and, and, and listen, I'm telling you, anybody, any you, you grapple heads out there, you've been on the mats, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This dude is tough to deal with. And um, he's out there winning fights in ways that seem to me somewhat improbable, but he's out here doing it. I, I think that it's more of a credit to the team over there at Fortis and how they've been able to turn things around with him. Uh, he did have a two-fight losing skid a little bit ago back in, uh, in, in his – um, two fights prior to his last one is win against Carl uh, Roberson, and I don't think we really learned much about any improvement on his behalf in that fight. But I do still think that he should physically present some of the challenges to Ewan, especially when it comes to cardio. I don't think either one of these guys has a great gas tank, nope. but but Ewan Ewan seems to spend his a little more because he wants to run a much more high octane pace, and that is not good for him. But at the same time, it's the only way that his game works in terms of being able to go in there and do, you know, a, a jumping punch and a, you grab a guy and, you know, pull his ears and throw him out. To the, it's no, I just, I don't, I, his, his whole attitude is running on instinct. When technique is immediately the first thing that goes out the window, I cannot trust you. And that's my problem with Ewan. I want to pick him. I want to, I want to see him do better. But he's got to show me that he really has that in him. And I do think that he does, but he's not showing it in the sense that it's not being demonstrated in, in the execution in his bouts. 
I don't trust him. I don't trust Kennedy much either, but I definitely trust him to handle someone like Ewan at this point. So I'm going to go with Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. All right, next up, we've got the main event. Derek Lewis taking on the polar bear, Sergey Spivak. And I'm tempted to not pick Derek, but I'm going to pick him because this fight isn't happening in Texas. So you should win it. <laughs> should win it. And I know that Spivak has a fairly decent record over his last, you know, six fights. He's only lost one of them to Tom Aspinall, and there's no shame in that. But when you go a little further back, he's lost to Marcin Tybura and Walt Harris. His wins recently are Augusto Sakai, who is not good, Greg Hardy, who is fucking terrible. Alexei Olianik, who is old as dirt. Jared Vandera, who is terrible. Carlos Philippe, who is terrible. Oh, no, not him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So those are his wins, his losses. Tom Aspinall, Marcin Tybura, Walt Harris. Mm -hmm. So I almost picked him, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go ahead and stick with Derek because, again, it's not happening in Texas. And Derek normally beats guys like Sergey Spivak. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt one last time. After this, if Derek lets me down, I'm not picking him ever again. Uh, you know, I mean, you look at the guys that Derek's been losing to lately, super hard hitters. And Spivak can hit hard, but we've already established based on – and yes, I know, MMA math, not the greatest thing in the world, not the most reliable. But based on the caliber of opposition, some of Derek's losses have looked better than some of Spivak's wins. And that right there, plus I was literally – I was going to mention the fact that the fight's not in Texas. So the jinx is off again, uh, uh, me not believing in the supernatural or anything like that or matters of luck. I, I'm glad he's not fighting in Texas. Maybe the smaller cage is a, of a benefit because guys have a harder time trying to get away from him. And he's able to swarm them more effectively and use his pacing and his footwork and really uh, really put the guy on roller skates early. So um, – I think it's really more of, of that happening than anything else. I just uh, – I, I, uh, Derek is clearly not in his prime anymore, but he doesn't have to be to beat this guy, and I think he will. You know, I'm sitting here. I'm on Tapology, and I have Sergey Spivak's profile pulled up, and I have his picture. Mm -hmm, I cannot mm -hmm. get over how much – what I assume is supposed to be a polar bear tattoo over his right chest looks amazingly like – uh, the um, what's the little bear that hangs out in Australia in the trees? The koala. Koalas. His yeah. his polar bear looks like a freaking koala bear. Or maybe he got it on a discount or something like that. You know what I mean? I don't Is know. Is it a koala bear? Can you look? I don't know. Probably. Right, maybe it was supposed the... to be, and and he, and he like he lost weight or something like that. Maybe they like Alan Belcher. You know, I Alan Belcher got that. Right he got now. that. What was it? Was supposed to be Elvis. Yes. No, it was got... supposed to be Johnny Cash. Oh, John. well, there you go. It was supposed to be Johnny Cash, and he ended up looking like Michael Badalucco from The Sopranos because he got, he got brolic. <laughs> All right, so I need you to go look now. I need you uh. to open up Tapology and and open up Sergey Spivak and look at this tattoo because I will not be able to rest unless you do this on air. Well, I, I, am, I am looking. I've been looking at it for the past few minutes. I just, I just I'm not, Doesn't I can't make out like what the... I don't know what that is. Is that a bear or is that a wolf? I mean, it does look like a wolf. But like it's, I guess it's just. You don't know look, what a koala bear is. I know what a koala is, but it doesn't look like a like a koala much either. I mean, it kind of does a little it bit. It does. It totally looks. Like it a just koala. looks like a really. It's just a real shit tattoo. He should get that covered. You know what? He'd probably do himself a a, a better job of getting that covered with Derek's face. Oh my god! Just then, get that. I mean, listen. Is it gay? Not really. It's and fine. Then it has the fencing around it. Like no one's gonna, no one's gonna complain. It's got the yeah, those oh yeah, the real sign of a true yeah. That's, that's great. <laughs> it's got the fencing around it, like the bear is emerging, it's ripping its way out of the cage, <laughs> and that also is making me laugh. But to me, it looks like a damn koala bear. <laughs> All, right. All right. So, uh, also Mookie is also uh, taking Derek Lewis, so I should put that out there. So all three, we have once again made all the same picks again, um, with the exception of Patri uh, Patricky Pitbull. Uh, you picked him. Yes. Other than that, we, we went all the rest of the same picks. So on that fine note, we are going to wrap the show. 
We hope you've enjoyed our, our freewheeling style today because we basically just freewheeled it. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll try to embrace this a little more because I, I decided today I was just going to put up the outline and just kind of take it as it comes. And it worked out pretty well, I think. So anyways, do me a favor. Follow Victor on Twitter at Vic M. Rodriguez because he's very freaking awesome. Also, follow him on Instagram, Victor Sinister Rodriguez, for amazing foodie pics. Okay, if you're a foodie, this is the guy to go see. This is the guy. So make oh, sure you do on. that. Also, follow Mookie on Twitter at Mookie Alexander. And you can check out his other work over on SB Nation's Field Goals website, where he is the managing editor. So if you're a Seahawks fan, that's the place to go. Mm -hmm. Both. Uh, Victor and I both still work for Bloody Elbow, so you can find our work there. And if you listen to the pre-recorded outro, you can find out where to listen to this show and all the other great Bloody Elbow Presents podcasts. So until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, The Level Change Podcast, The MMA Vivis Section, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, The Hey Not The Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play-By-Play -play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. <laughs>